0: The New York Jets are now on the
1: board. Okay, Jeff Vance, Darrell Rivas. Being in New York has been one of the greatest blessings. Zach Fifth Avenue ran that one right now. The New York Jet fleck.
0: Welcome to another episode of NFL Draft Preview. Ethan Greenberg joined every week by the Athletics' Dane Brugler. I dressed up for today's episode. We got a juicy one. We're talking the defensive line. You know Robert Sala loves his defensive lineman. Joe Douglas probably likes his offensive lineman a little more, but you know that he believes it all starts up front. So I just want to start with this, Dane. I feel like you never talk about a draft class that is deep specifically at edge. And while there are no real blue chip players or so you've told us, feels like this class is kind of an anomaly because you could get a quality player, not only in round one, but all the way into day two and day three.
1: Yeah, I think so. And and every draft has its own identity. And a lot of times, whatever the quarterbacks look like, that kind of attaches itself to whatever the identity is. But I think this draft class, when we look back at it four or five years from now, uh, yes, we'll be talking about the quarterbacks and what, how that all sh- uh, shakes out. But I think we'll also be talking about the pass rushers and the amount of guys that are end up being quality NFL pros uh, because of uh, what they bring to the field as, a, as uh, pass rushers, as run uh, defenders, as guys that can uh, really impact the game. And this draft has it at every single point in the draft. So this is a great year to get an edge rusher. It's kind of the opposite of what we saw last year. Remember last year, we didn't have a pass rusher in the top half around one. Uh, this year, we could see four pass rushers go top 10. So I, I think the, the lack of quarterbacks helps a little bit this year, pushes some of these uh, edge rushers up. But there's no doubt that these guys deserve to be talked about uh, as early first round picks and guys that will come in and contribute early.
0: I just want to set the table here. You just said it. In, or, and I said it too. There's no like Miles Garrett, Bosa brother, Chase mm-hmm. Young of this group. But when you say there are quality NFL players, I, I think a lot of people say like, okay, well, like who is that? Who is an example of a quality NFL player that's maybe not the elite player or maybe just – maybe it's – a. it doesn't need to be a comp in terms of player, but just in terms of production, in terms of play snaps on any given Sunday, like what is an equivalent for somebody that could be drafted in – on day two or day three and specifically, and then we'll talk about the round one guys later on.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, we've, and we've seen guys, you know, Carl Lawson's a good example of a guy who wasn't a first round pick, but was just, you know, developed into a quality pass rusher uh, and a guy that is, uh, you know, viewed as someone that you have to game plan against uh, when you're an offense going up against him. Uh, you have to understand what he's doing at all times. Um, and, and the league's full of those guys that can you know, really give you pressure off the edge. And this year, like I said, I think at every point in the draft, first round, we could see as many as seven uh, pass rushers go early in that first round. But then on day two and day three, there really isn't much fall off. And so I, I think at every stage of the draft, you are going to be able to get someone uh, that is going to help your team. And, and round two, round three, how about Josh Pascal? From Kentucky, a really good run defender is uh, going to step in from day one, be a, a strong part of your rotation. If you're looking for a little more juice off the edge, how about Nick Benito from Oklahoma? Uh, really good first step. You worry about uh, against the run and you know his ability to hold up versus power, but a guy that is hard to get your hands on because he has that edge speed, has that ability uh, to bend the edge, flatten out, get to the quarterback. So depending on what you're looking for, I think this draft has it at edge rusher.
0: All right, well, let's start with potentially the number one overall pick in April, Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. What makes him a potential number one overall selection? And I'm just curious, like, where do you think he could have gone potentially in last year's draft or in a, in a class that had a little more blue chip talent?
1: Yeah, it's always tough to do that exercise. Uh, when you look at last year, we saw you know so many quarterbacks go early. Um, I, you know, I, I, he's not going ahead of Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase or, uh, probably not going ahead of, uh, Penny Sewell. Um, and then, you know, you've got the corners, JC Horn, Patrick Sertain. So, uh, Hutchinson, you know, might not have been a top 10 pick last year. I, it's a very realistic scenario where, you know, he goes 11, 12, somewhere in that range. Uh, but he's still a really good player. And I, I think you, you feel good about his floor, about what he's going to give you. He gives, uh, you know, he's the type of guy that the mentality that he brings is almost as important as the physical skills and, and he has the physical skills. I think he gets kind of, you know, earmarked as that, you know, uh, really hard, try hard competitor over, uh, over eager over, uh, you know, guy that's just, you know, plays beyond his means that type of guy. But I mean, he has the same three cone number as Von Miller. Like this is not a, a bad athlete by any means. Uh, but I think the mentality that he does bring is something that that stands out as well. Um, you know, talking to one of his his coaches, talking, and he he mentioned how you know he can never go on spring break because he he wouldn't be able to uh, you know reconcile the fact that he's not getting better. Like he won't be able to relax because he's not getting better at football. That's just how he's wired, his his mental makeup. And as an NFL team, you're looking for those guys that you plug in there in the trenches and. Uh, is going to help you uh, on the field and off the field. So Aiden Hutchinson has a lot of what you're looking for. He doesn't have necessarily that arc speed um, or or the arc skills, as say like one of the Bosa brothers, but he has the handwork. He has the ability uh, to win in different ways, power, quickness. Um, He's going to be a double-digit sack guy in the NFL, and that's why he is the favorite to be the number one overall pick. And If he doesn't go one, he's probably going to go two or three. I'm not sure the Jets at four will have a shot at him.
0: Well, that was going to be my question is if he does not go number one overall, what's the likelihood that he slides to four? It doesn't feel like it's very likely, but you know, never say never. That's why the draft. that's why everybody loves the draft because it's so unpredictable, but I will say between Detroit being there and he's a Dearborn native as somebody that works for the Jets and Robert Sal is a Dearborn native. The storyline there is almost too good to be true. I'm sure the Jets would love to have him on their team as a player regardless, but I'm Just you mentioned him the favorite to be the number one overall selection. You also had Icky Aquanu, number one overall in your mock draft. You think that after Jacksonville's free agency, that that's now switched to Aiden Hutchinson in the number one overall selection?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think with what they did a free agency, bringing in Brandon Scherf uh, at guard, uh, you know, they drafted Walker Little on day two last year at a Stanford at tackle, they tagged Cam Robinson. Um, Juwan Taylor still there in the mix, so I think offensive line wise, I think they're in, in a good spot. They could still go offensive line; that that wouldn't be a shock. Or they could go Travon Walker out of Georgia uh, and, and bet on his freaky skill set. Uh, but if they do go with who we believe is the favorite, Aiden Hutchinson, um, I, I don't think anybody would be surprised. Now, if they didn't, and I just can't see Aiden Hutchinson falling past Detroit uh, at number two. I mean, he just feels like a Dan Campbell type of guy. Uh, they need pass rush. And again, a guy, a Michigan guy who grew up just outside of Detroit. So, uh, you know, the uh, geography shouldn't really factor into this, but, you know, it, it's still something that would be a, a natural fit in terms of someone that inst- understands the culture, that part of the country. Um, Yeah, I, I think Aiden Hutchinson going one or two, uh, it's hard to envision anything else happening there.
0: So let's assume that Aiden Hutchinson is off the board by the time the Jets select at number four. Do you think that? Guys like Kayvon, Thibodeau, Travon Walker, all those guys are available for the Jets taking, or you think that somebody could potentially be selected two or three overall?
1: Yeah, I definitely think that like, like Travon Walker, if he goes top three, that shouldn't surprise anybody. Um, you know, there's just not many guys that have his ability, his length, his athleticism, his size, his power. Um, and you know, people will point to the lack of pass rush production. And they just have to understand the context of what he was asked to do in that Georgia defense. We've talked about it before, how uh, he wasn't asked to just pin his ears back and go. He was asked to hold a point of attack, uh, lock out and you know, uh, give uh, you know the linebackers free reign to rush and get after the quarterback. So, uh, but when he was uh, able to get in, uh, to the quarterback and rush, you see the ability. And I mean, that's why he was my number six overall player uh, before the combine, uh, before he kind of blew things up and, um, so I, I think he was already in that top 10 discussion. Now after he tested and you, you look at the raw trades, you think, okay, now he could go even higher. And if you're the Lions at two, the Texans at three, I think you're looking at Travon Walker and what he could be two, three years from now and thinking, all right, yeah, we'll bet on that and feel good about the guy that we're bringing to our program.
0: Does it worry you at all that maybe – Travon Walker isn't as bendy as some natural pass rushers? Or do you think that his size and speed, his athletic traits, I saw the, what is it, the RAS, the 9.99 athletic ability? I mean, it's just freaky stuff we're talking about. Why, as an evaluator, do you bet on that compared to things that you might not have seen from him at Georgia?
1: Yeah, I know there's different ways to rush the passer. You know, you don't have to be Vaughn Miller. To uh, be a bona fide, uh, you know, legit all pro pass rusher, you could look more like a JJ Watt. And that's Trevon Walker. He, he looks more like a JJ Watt. 6'5, 272 pounds, uh, 35 and a half inch arms. And he still was a 6'8'9'3 cone. That, that's remarkable. Uh, explosive uh, lower body. Uh, and, and, you know, just watching the combine drills and watching him do the hoop drill was just. Mind-blowing. Uh, he's so long that he barely has to bend uh, to, to, you know, uh, run the hoop. But he does it so quick and so efficiently, so easily. So th- there's different ways to rush a passer. And I think Travon Walker's got a little bit of both, where he has power, he has length. But he also has quickness. He has some bend, some flexibility to him. So, yes, is there projection involved with Travon Walker? No doubt about it. And, and that's why we're not talking about the slam dunk number one overall pick. We're talking about a guy that's in the top ten discussion, Uh, likely to go top three top five but uh, you know a guy that has all the ability and it's not like he can't do it it just he wasn't asked to do it and so you feel like you're getting a guy who just 21 years old uh, on the upward trajectory of what he's going to be so uh, remember the NFL draft and scouting it's all about not what you've done but what you're going to do you know projecting forward and when you project Travon Walker forward it's hard not to get excited
0: Fair enough, and I know you've been uh, you've been beating that drum for a long time. So I'm excited to see what happens with Travon Walker in April, in late April. It's almost April, which is crazy. So, and just to put things out there, like I know you're running on fumes. Dane's working on his draft guide. It's almost there. What, what is your? All right, how about this over under Dane? Four and a half diet Mountain Dews a day. So I, this time no, of year in the last week,
1: I, 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 I limit myself to two, um, the bottles, oh, wow, like okay. the, the, so not cans. So it's, you know, what are the 16 ounce bottles, whatever they are. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I force myself not to have more than two just so I can <laughs> see my kids graduate one day. Um, but no, it's, <laughs> it, 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 uh, it try to drink a lot of water. Um, but then, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I have to, Offset it with some type of caffeine to you know just keep the juices. No flowing. coffee though, um, right? I'm not a coffee drinker. No, I mean one yeah. of my one of my secrets is um, got a lot of Christmas cookies uh, the, in the freezer, and so at you know midnight, one a.m., uh, take you know three cookies out of the freezer, and uh, you know <laughs> a little sugar rush just to, that last hour or two before I go to bed, just to just to get that done. So that's. I'm doing this a long time, you know, and plus having four young kids, you know, it's you you learn these different habits at night to kind of give you that extra juice. And so I've got my own regimen.
0: All right. And more importantly, does Jax, your dog, stay up during the night with you while you're watching film? And does he get a little cookie once in a while? (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, he he's but he, he is up. I mean he's yeah, he's lays at my feet and uh you know before he goes to bed. So yeah, he's he, he's used to long hours and he he knows the drill. He's been doing this a long time.
0: All right, fair enough. Well, on that note, let's move on to Kayvon Thibodeau because it feels like Kayvon Thibodeau is the one of those guys that's also in that top five projection. He's also been projected to be potentially top 12 or so. So where do you stand on Kayvon Thibodeau as a prospect? excluding everything that's potentially polarizing about him as a person, more so just as a player.
1: Yeah. And there's plenty to like as a, as a player, um, you know, you're, you're getting a guy that's 64 245 So maybe not quite the size that, you know, you expected um, a little uh, lighter than you want, um, you know, decent length over 33 inch arms, but not commanding length. Uh, but I think what helps with him he uses that forward lean so he can get into blockers, drive them backwards. Um, he he has a lot of power to what he does and strength in his hands. Powerful jab steps. Um, you know, there, there's different ways that he can win, and he's not the most fluid guy. That's that's not how uh, he, he gets after the after the quarterback. But you do see him uh, rush with upfield urgency. Uh, he has some cornering skills. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's got different go-to moves that he, that he has that again, they all revolve more around power than necessarily him out-athleting everybody. Um, so length, flexibility, hand strength. Do you do see a lot of Young Clowney there? And, you know, Clowney, I don't, has he lived up to being the number one overall pick? Probably not. Um, but he's been a really quality pass rusher. Uh, since he's entered the league when he's been healthy. So whether it's for the Texans or the Titans or the Browns or I mean, he, he's bounced around. He's kind of been like a higher gun uh, to be that pass rusher. Uh, who's going to give you quality reps as a run defender and, and as a pass rusher. So if uh, Kavon Thib- uh, Thibodeau has the same type of career as uh, Jadavion Clowney, I don't think that'd be surprising.
0: For Kavon Thibodeau, does it worry you at all about the competition that he played and the, the tackles that he's faced specifically this past season?
1: That's absolutely fair. I mean, the Pac-12, uh, you know, Abraham Lucas from Washington State has a, has a good chance to get drafted uh, in the top 100. Uh, Kellen Dish from Arizona State uh, is a pretty good left tackle uh, who will be drafted likely on day three. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're just – it's not a league known for – at least for the left tackles right now. Um, you know, they have in the past, but the, last year – not necessarily a ton of high end talent, and, and that's something that is part of the discussion because it's not like he, uh, you know, he watched twenty twenty one tape, and he doesn't necessarily get you overly excited. He had seven sacks, uh, decent pressure rate, but for a guy with his talent, you did expect a little bit more. He was banged up quite a bit, missed that Ohio State game, missed parts of other games. But again, for a guy with his talent, you just expected a little bit more. But I mean, nonetheless, he still led Oregon in sacks, led Oregon in tackles for loss. Uh, I mean, he was a unanimous All American, probably more based off of name recognition than anything. But um, we're talking about, you know, just like we're we're it, it's our it's okay to critique Travon Walker for not having more production. Same thing with Kayvon Thibodeau. When you watch his tape, you for a guy being talked about as a top five potential top seven pick. You just expected maybe a little more dominance at that level of competition.
0: And then lastly here, feels like the final guy in, let's say, the quartet of pass rushers that could be pretty viable options at 4 through 10 and potentially after that. The last guy is Jermaine Johnson, who maybe in January before the Senior Bowl, not a whole lot of NFL draft fans, not guys named Dame Brugler because you definitely knew about him, but people didn't really know about him. And then he had a fantastic week in Mobile. He had a fantastic combine, and it sure seems like that. He's put himself in the conversation to be a top 10 selection. So I ask you this, Dane, of the four guys, let's say Hutchinson, let's say the three guys, Hutchinson's off the board. You got Mm -hmm. Walker, you got Thibodeau, you got Jermaine Johnson. The Jets are at four overall. Which one of these players makes the most sense for the team based on talent and more importantly, based on scheme fit?
1: Uh, I'm going Trevon Walker. I'm betting on those traits every day. Um, but I, I, you could easily make a case for the other two guys as well. And Jermaine Johnson, yeah, he was the top defensive player going into the Senior Bowl. And after what he did in Mobile, I mean, he kind of put any doubt to rest there uh, with the way he played at the Senior Bowl practices. Uh, a very good run defender, really good pass rusher. Maybe not elite in any one of those areas, but he's just good across the board. Um you know, bet on himself transferring from Georgia. I think most people know his story by now. Uh, leading the ACC in sacks, tackles for loss. Uh, just a really quality player who, maybe not ha- doesn't have that elite get off, but he plays with length, he plays with agility, active hands. Uh, he has a a plan to what he's doing. His rush attack, he can win in different ways. Uh, he's very athletic on the edge so he can play the run. He has power so he can work off, uh, blocks and make stops in the backfield. So there's just a lot to like about what he's going to bring and, and, you know, very quickly, I mean, he is, uh, you know, he's already 23 years old. He's, you know, he was in college for five years, uh, but he's ready to come in and be an NFL starter, uh, very quickly as a rookie. So would not be hard to talk yourself into Jermaine Johnson, even as high as number four.
0: Okay, I'm glad you asked that because I feel like a lot of the mock drafts have Jermaine Johnson at number 10. Mm -hmm. And if you're the Jets just playing devil's advocate, let's say you're convinced he's going to be selected five through nine, is four too rich? You say no.
1: No. And especially if, say, Travon Walker's off the board in that scenario, Um, you know, because there's a good chance Aiden Hutchinson goes one or two, and then Travon Walker goes two or three. And if that happens, and, you know, the Jets are looking at their options, could go offensive line. Could go wide receiver, could go corner, but Jermaine Johnson sitting there and I, I don't, you probably don't feel great that he's going to last you at 10. Now there's a chance that he could, but I don't think you feel great about that. And if you love the player and you, you know, you think, you know, what you're getting with him. And I think that's part of the appeal with Jermaine Johnson, you know, what you're getting with him. I don't think there, there's not, you know, with Trevon Walker, a little bit of a projection there with Kayvon Thibodeau little bit of a projection there because of, uh, you know, some of the, some of the uh, other things you have to worry about with him. Jermaine Johnson, not quite, doesn't have that with, so I, I think that, you know, when you look at Johnson, you run out of reasons why not, you know, why he shouldn't be a top 15 pick, why he shouldn't be a top 10 pick, why he shouldn't be in the conversation at number four. So I think absolutely I, Jermaine Johnson, especially if Walker's off the board, Jermaine Johnson should at least be in that conversation uh, if they want to go pass rusher at number four.
0: All right, so now let's move on to round two. The Jets have 35 and 38 right now as we record. You mentioned two guys earlier at the top of the show. The Jets also had Arnold Ebiketti from Penn State. Boy, a Mafé out of Minnesota on their team during Senior Bowl week. You think both of those guys also could be viable options for the Jets at either 35 or 38, or some of those guys might creep up into the back half of round one?
1: Yeah, I was gonna say they they definitely would would be if they're there in the thirties. Um I think both could easily go in the first round. Uh you know, we know pass rushers go uh pretty quickly. Last year we saw a run on those guys in the late first round, Quitty Pay and um, Odafe Owe, uh Gregory Rousseau, Peyton Turner. I mean those guys, those pass rushers flew off the board in the late first. And we could see uh you know, a similar type of thing in this year's uh first round, uh late first round with Arnold Ebeketty and uh Maffe Mafe, maybe Logan Hall from Houston. So uh that makes sense. But if one were to slip through the cracks and be there in the early second, uh yeah, I think the Jets would be all over that, especially if they don't go pass rusher obviously at four or ten. Uh Ebiketti, a temple transfer who uh is a really long player. He's got 34 over 34 inch arms. Um yeah it doesn't look like it, you know, he's six two and a half, 250 but his length really stands out. And that's how he wins. He has speed off the edge, uh, explosive first step uh, uses his hands well. Um, and uh, his motor just doesn't quit. I mean, he makes plays away from the line of scrimmage. He has no business making, but because uh, of that motor always revving, uh, it's something that is uh, a strong selling point with him. Does he need refinement? Uh, yes, especially versus the run, but with a guy with his length, his first step quickness, and with his relentless hustle, uh, you're going to bet on that every time. So, uh, Arnold Ebecchetti, I think I just made a case why he won't be there in the 30s. But uh, why, <laughs> if, if he is, it, the Jets should be all over him.
0: All right, how about this, Dane? Can you give us somebody, let's say, day three, who you really think that he has a chance to develop into a quality starter? And let's say he's available for the Jets on day three somewhere.
1: Well, we talked about, um, I believe we talked about him with the mock draft with Christopher Allen um, out of Alabama. Um, I, I think he's a guy that's flying under the radar right now because of his injury. Uh, I think he'd be in that mix. Um, Amari Barno from Virginia Tech ran the fastest forty-yard dash uh, of any pass rusher at the combine. I, I think he's a guy that you could uh, develop. He, he needs time. He needs work. Uh, but when you have that type of speed and have that type of length and that ability, just yeah, bring bring him to the in our program, and we'll we'll get. Uh, get the most out of them so uh there's we talked about how this pass rusher class every step of the draft is going to be guys there's going to be good players that get pushed to day three and and, you know there's only so many spots for these guys to go so uh, even a guy like say Cameron Thomas from San Diego State who played really well this year and we thought okay probably gonna be a second round pick but uh, you know when you start laying it out all of a sudden well maybe probably go more third round Maybe he goes to the fourth round just because there's such a high volume of pass rushers uh, and these edge guys that someone's going to fall to the fourth, fifth round. And it could be a guy like Cameron Thomas, could be a guy like Jesse Laquetta from Penn State. Um, So there's several uh, pass rushers who you could get a good value on in those middle rounds.
0: Jesse Laquetta, also a guy that the Jets coached up at the senior bowl, Somebody to keep an eye on there. And uh, who's the other guy? Dominique Robinson?
1: Yeah, Miami, Ohio. Yeah, really, really. Yep. A former wide receiver never started a game at pass rusher uh, in, in his life. He was a sub package guy for the Red Hawks. And uh, but you know his uh, his athleticism and his power. I mean, he's there's something there. And so I I I'll be surprised if he doesn't go third round. But if he doesn't, oh yeah, heck yeah, that's that's a heck of a value in the fourth round.
0: Also, the Jets have the 69th overall selection right now in the third round. Something to keep an eye on as well. You know, you said the Redhawks. It just made me think. Of all the scouting that you do, what is like your favorite team name? You gotta have one, right?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, well, and it's because I was um, I was watching. Uh, it's not the team name, not the mascot, but I discovered right. Castleton uh, College or University um, uh, the other day. Uh, there's a they have a PA- Division three school. They have a pass rusher who tested pretty well at his pro day. Um, but, uh, a small school in Vermont who, uh, you know, has got, got, got a talented, uh, little talented program up there. So Castleton, it sounded like a fun school. So I I discovered that, which I didn't (laughs) know much about.
0: Okay. All right. And what year is this for you doing the draft and whatever it is, you're still learning. That's what makes you great, Dane. That's great. Always learning.
1: Every year there's, there seems to be like one school that I, you know, never heard of and, you know, it's central Methodist or it's, uh, you know, American international, or, you know, there, there's just a lot of different schools that, you know, whether it's NAIA division two, II, division three, um, you, you know, there's, there's a lot of levels of, of schools and football players trying to get their name out there. So it's a, it's fun to learn about these guys when they hit my desk.
0: All right, great. This is how I want to wrap up this episode. You kind of talked, it's been a kind of a theme of your answers. Like if that guy is there in the top of round two, if that guy is there at the top of round four, like Dominique Robinson. So let me ask you this last year, there was a guy that the jets selected Elijah Moore. If he's there in round two, you're probably turning in the card. He was there. They did just that. So not just defensive lines. Like I'm, I want the full scope of positions here that I want to ask you about. And if you're the Jets, like who are more guys like Elijah Moore that could go in the back half of round one, but also could slip through the cracks, be there in round two. And you're turning you're running up the card with happiness saying this is who was there. And we want we wanted this guy. We thought about trading up like the Jets did with Elijah Moore. And he said, you know what, we're going to we're going to stay here and then we're going to select him there.
1: Uh, I think there's three, maybe three positions we could look at here. So, you know, the receivers, um, if we know that, you know, guys like Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Jamison Williams, probably, they're going to go early. Is there one or two of these guys that would fall a little bit, whether that's Chris Olave, whether it's Jahan Dotson, uh, some of these guys, would they fall a little bit? And if they do, maybe the Jesuit pounds. Um I'm really interested in the, the secondary as well, though, uh, the, the safeties, you know, Kyle Hamilton um who by the way did not run well at his pro day he's actually ran slower at his pro day than he did the combine which is very surprising to see um i i Kyle Hampton's you know i've kind of been saying he's not going to go maybe as early as people think um throughout the process and i mean i wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't go top 10 um but after Kyle Hamilton's off the board You know, who's that next safety? Is it Dax Hill? Is it Lewis Seen? But, you know, we could see maybe that's that who's that number two safety and where does he go? Could he slip to the early part of the second round? And that's a a part where uh, part of the draft where the Jets would be all over a guy like Seen who uh, they they can help fortify the back end of their defense. Um, But and then same thing with corners after Sauce Gardner's off the board, uh, Trent McDuffie um, and and then uh, Derek Stingley. Is there another corner that they have a first round grade on, or uh, an early second round grade on? Who you know, an Andrew Booth out of Clemson, um, somebody like that who could go easily go late first round, but the the Jets, you know, they've got their eye on him and they just kind of crossing their fingers that he falls to the early second. So there's definitely a, a good mix of those guys, and it may throw out David Ajabo as well uh, from Michigan, who uh, unfortunately the, the torn uh, Achilles at his pro day most likely going to have some type of redshirt year, which he was going to anyways because he's such a young player. But now that you factor in the injury and all of a sudden there's a more, there's going to be a likely chance he's available uh, after round one. So he'll probably go somewhere on day two. And if the Jets are comfortable with the injury and the timeline of when he's going to have, you know, until he's going to get back and healthy and contribute uh, David Ajabo is a, is a name that's on the radar now that maybe you weren't talking about, uh, a couple weeks ago,
0: you know, after I, I forgot to bring this up, but you know, I was so focused on the edge guys. I think maybe one of the guys that could be included in that conversation, potentially snuck his way into round one. You tell me if I'm wrong here after Jordan Davis out of Georgia, I'm looking at Travis Jones out of UConn who had a good senior bowl week. If you're the jets, are you, is he in that same boat where maybe he could be in, like picks 20 to 32, and if not, if he's there at 35 or 38 and you want to add some depth up front, you're running that up as well?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I'm a big Travis Jones fan. Something about UConn defensive tackles. I I was a big fan of uh, Fadakasi, right? uh, That's right, you were. A couple years ago, and Jets drafted him. They got him, what, fifth, sixth round? Um, Sixth round. Yeah, and so you know, Travis Jones is a really good player. He's going to go much earlier than the sixth round. Uh, Could easily go top – top 30 somewhere uh, for a team. But if he were to fall a little bit, uh, I think he's, for, a, for the longest time, I was saying, instead of Jordan Davis in round one, just wait till day two, get Travis Jones. After the Senior Bowl, after uh, what he did at the Combine, Travis Jones, uh, it's he's moved himself up, there's no doubt. Guys like him go top 50 all day, and uh, possibly even the first round. So a guy that can win with quickness, he's got power. Uh, no one could block him at the Senior Bowl in one-on-ones. So you've got a guy that's able to play with that type of momentum at his size, play through his hips. Uh, he just creates problems uh, for blockers uh, because of his athleticism, because of his explosiveness, both his upper body and his lower body. He can two-gap. Um, you know, He can be disruptive. So Travis Jones, I mean, I, again, I think I just laid out the reasons why he probably won't be an option for the Jets because he's not going to make it there. But if he does, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see if the, if the Jets pounce on him.
0: Crazier things have happened, I think, than, yes, you know, have. potentially so we love the draft. Jones being there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. So this is how we're going to wrap up this episode here. We're going to have, uh, I don't want to say like a a mock draft, but if you could choose one player, right? You have, you have a crystal ball you, and you could choose one player to fall to the Jets at 35 or 38 after whoever you want to choose at four and 10, and you think this is like an absolute home run of a draft. So let's say in your case, you're probably looking at Travon Walker at four. I don't know who you're looking at at 10, whether that's a receiver, whether that's a corner defensive, another edge player, anybody you want at 10, who's the player at 35 that slipped through the cracks at the end of round one to turn a very good draft into a great draft after the Jets first three picks.
1: Uh, how how realistic do I need to be? I mean, it, it's
0: semi-realistic.
1: That, I, I, it, it, the, maybe the most perfect scenario is so many teams are scared off by uh, Jamison Williams' ACL injury that he slips through the cracks a little bit, falls to 35, and uh, the Jets jump all over. I, I I don't think that there's like a 2% chance of that happening. <laughs> um, I, I if the Jets want to have to take him at ten, um, and and who knows, he could go eight. He might not even be available at ten. He, he's that good of a player, uh, but when, with an ACL injury, just you know, you don't know how how teams are going to respond to that. Um, more realistically, uh, I, w- I would probably say one of these safeties, whether it's Dax Hill from Michigan or Lewis Scene from Georgia, I think two guys that are going to come in and really help, uh, really help the back end of your defense. Guys that can play play the run really well. They can cover, um, and, and you know. It, it, they're really going to give you something. So I, I think those uh, those two guys would make sense. Both could easily go top 32. But if they were going to slip a little bit, uh, I think the Jets would not be uh, upset to see them uh, on the board when they pick in round two.
0: All right, so Dane has Trevon Walker, Jameson Williams, and either Dax Hill or Louisine. Is that, is that what we're That's turning a- the card in March 29th?
1: That sounds like a home run to me. Uh, I mean, if you're, and if this team is confident in where the offensive line is right now with Mackay Becton, and then you're able to, uh, and if that's the case, you're able to really address uh, the defensive line. You're able to address receiver, boost the secondary. I mean, that's uh, that, that's exactly what you want to do through the draft. That that sounds like a home run to me.
0: All right, that's a great way to end this episode of NFL Draft Preview. Dane, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next week.
1: All right, thanks, Ethan.